What's up? This is Matt Dietz, and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative and smart entrepreneurs who are in the middle of their journey. You know, none of us are really given a playbook on how to run a business when we start it. And I figure what better way to learn than from those who have done it before us. So that's why I created the show. Today on the show, I have Pete Carden, who is the owner of Idaho Business Lending. So I met Pete through some networking and thought he'd be a good fit for the show, and he absolutely was. So the the interesting thing about sitting down with Pete is he's new. He's like, you know, six weeks in, and so he's in a really fun kind of raw space, and he's doing really well out of the gate. And so we talk about you know, what he did before, you know, how he got into the lending space. He was in banking for a long time. You know, why did he get into banking? And, you know, what drew him to start his own business? That's always a question that everybody has to answer who who feels that pull, you know, like, I think I can do this on my own. And so, we talk about that. We talk about marketing. Uh, we talk about growth, of course, and um, you know what, what? What's this plan? How, how's he going to do this? And so, we had a really cool conversation. Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your story and your expertise. And let's get right into it. Well, I am joined today with Pete Carden, who is the founder and owner of Idaho Business Lending. What's up, Pete? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me here today. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming in. You ready to talk shop? Yeah, let's get to it. All right. So let's start with an easy one. You know, where are you from? Are you from Idaho? So I lived my first, I think, 19 years in Tillamook, Oregon. Um, Left for school for a bit and uh, ended up here a number of years later via Phoenix. So you went to... You grew up high school, elementary school, in Tillamook, Oregon. Yeah, um, I we uh, I've been I lived there till right after my nineteenth birthday. I think left to Southern Oregon for college. Um, that was fun for a while, and then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, met my wife, and uh, that was uh, after I was there for five years, and almost immediately we moved back to Oregon. Um, spent some time in uh, Portland. And then we ended up moving out here. We had our daughter, and my sister has lived out here a little bit longer than us. And she offered free daycare. So it there was you go. Easy decision. So I am hitting nine. No, I'm sorry, eleven years. I think tomorrow. Maybe. All right. Happy yeah. anniversary. Well, thank you. Yeah, eleven years. Not bad. Um, so, do you have family here? Is that what kind of drew you here? Yeah, my sister's here, um, and her husband, and their four kids. And uh, yeah, like I said, it's free daycare, so it worked out pretty well. Um, so they they're in Meridian, so we're probably three miles away, something like that, pretty close by. And then uh, that's it for family in town. Um, everyone else is still out in Oregon. All right. What did you study when you were in school? So. Um, I studied a whole bunch of things my first round of school. When I did go back to school, I uh, got an accounting degree. Um, as I was wrapping up my degree, I realized I had zero desire to be an accountant. So um, I had a similar experience. I studied, I was going to be a math teacher. And like as soon as I got in front of a class full of kids for my student teaching semester, I was like, there's no way in hell I can do this <laughs> for a living. Like, I hated it. And so, yeah, so I understand. Like, what part of accounting weren't you aware of, you know, while you were still like, did you go into accounting? Like, when you first declared, we're like, I'm going to be an accountant. You know, was that kind of what you wanted to do or? Not really. So, when I was in high school, I took a accounting class and I really enjoyed it. Um and so when I went back to school with an actual goal of graduating, uh, <laughs> I, I, it seemed like a natural fit. It's money, it's numbers, I'm comfortable with those things, I'm decent at math, you know, and I feel like it's a degree I can get through. Um, and so I, I just progressed along the way, and I was like, well, this is all good stuff, and I guess I'll be an accountant and whatever. And I remember seeing my, I had some adjunct professors, and I remember seeing them studying for their cpa tests and all this i thought man i don't i don't think i want to have to be consistently um 
tested throughout my career uh, to make sure I can keep my job. And I, I really liked the idea of um, having like a really busy season, you know, spring tax season, and then kind of having some downtime. I kind of mm-hmm. liked that a lot. I'm like, work me hard and give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Sounded great. Yeah. But then when I really thought about it, I'm like, this, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do this. And I was like, well, what am I going to do with this? I know about numbers. I know about ba- uh, know about numbers. I know math. Um, I understand um financials and all those sorts of things and banking was a great fit because right. it was still numbers and money right right so it was just uh it gave me a couple extra tools going into um an entry-level banking position at that point right. and uh, it helped me a lot great so you were in banking for how long um i've been in banking for 11 years all right so since you moved here yeah exactly i moved here i got set up with a job and um I have just stuck with it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's a great place to be. So talk me through like your first experience in banking. Did you love it right away? What did you love about it? Like, what were you doing? Yeah. Uh, so it was, I mean, I can't say it was my first like professional job, but in so many ways it really was. Yeah. Um, and so having that kind of, I'm walking into an actual career that is exciting, right? I yeah. think I think most workers, most working people, that's an exciting place to be. Like, this is what I can do and get really good at this and just move on with your life through that pathway, whatever that looks like. And um, so that was fantastic. And then it gave me a real perspective of the world. I had um, been in some other, uh, well, I sold cars. And that was my first exposure to credit what other people actually make Mm -hmm. and seeing those numbers and how I stack up. And then you do the same thing in banking. It's even more personal at that point. Right. And you're working through, um, working through, uh, what the clients are needing, what they're working on for their personal finances and all those sorts of things. It really opened my mind up a lot about, um, I guess finances in the world, if, mm-hmm. if that makes sense on a personal level, yeah, uh, more so than anything else I'd done before. So, um, it was, it was really good and it took immediately. It took immediately. I was successful right away. Um, I was doing things that none of my peers were doing, um, after they'd been in the position for years. Like what were you doing? Um, well, I was doing business loans, which a lot of, um, in my experience, uh, a lot of uh, personal bankers are hesitant to get involved with it. So they can do it, but they choose not to? Depend upon the institution. Yeah. Yeah, depend upon the institution and the different roles. I mean, everybody, every company is different how they operate. But in my particular situation, yeah, it was absolutely something you could do. Most people didn't. They didn't have that comfort level. So what was what's scary about doing a business loan i i think a lot of people just don't understand it all yeah i think i mean honestly you look at it and it's it's very similar to doing a personal loan so it's very similar to doing um like a a signature loan where you need some cash and um you do an application there's just this is what my business is doing also it's not a whole lot extra but a lot of people just didn't have that comfort level and so it took to me immediately so in your position while you were doing these loans, are you being compensated differently or are you kind of salary? Like how did that it look? It was, it was uh, salary plus, um, plus uh, a commission or incentive, I think is what they called it. Was the incentive kind of heavy enough for you to like want to kill it or was it just kind of like a little kicker? It was Absolutely. Good. I'm, yeah. I'm a banker. I like money. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what are some things like, let's talk about like what a banker can do for you. Cause like I run a business, my wife owns a business, you know, we work with banks. Um, she's got a banker as do I tell me some things that like a banker can do for a business owner that maybe a business owner isn't aware of, you know, like you can have a relationship with a banker and, and never use it. Yeah. Right, you can just be like, yeah. "That's my bank," and I go yeah. there and I put money in it and I take it out, and that's all I do with it. But um, what are some benefits of kind of tapping into like what you can use, you know, like a banker for? Like, what can they do for you that maybe some people don't know about? 
I don't know if people don't necessarily know this, but I, I in my opinion, the two most um, important roles a banker can play, maybe three, is providing the right advice, having the right knowledge, and being able to speak from a place of understanding the client situation, understanding the reality of what their particular institution's able to do, maybe understanding what other institutions are able to do. Um, secondly, is going to be having a banker that will go to bat for you. Um, you, as a banker, as a banker, you're you're walking this line where you're trying to take care of your client and what they need, and especially when it comes to lending, an underwriter's job is to find reasons to say no. Yep. So you need a banker who's going to. Um, go to bat for you going to be willing to step up and take care of you because it's easy enough to say well they said no i guess the answer is no sorry about that Mm -hmm. that's not okay yeah you're you have these people these clients that are entrusting you with their business their livelihood all kinds of other things right and the least you can do is is put up a good fight for the customers and make sure that they can get what they need if it's at all possible yeah, we do the same thing when it comes to writing insurance. I mean, when we're writing accounts for commercial or business accounts, we have to apply and we have to put all that information in front of an underwriter and they have to make a decision on whether this is a good risk that they want to take or not. And we are encouraged as the agents or the agency owners to really paint a full picture of the risk. The application is, I think, kind of the minimum of what you can, you can just throw a stock application at someone and they can read it and decide yes or no. But if you can also you know, fill in the gaps or the holes and add information that's not on the application so that they know that this is a good risk. You know, this, they've been doing this for, this is their, you know, fourth business, you know, anything that, that you can share with the underwriter to help them understand that application better, um, I think is our duty, you know, to do that. Mm -hmm. And so is it the same type of thing for you? Yeah, it's very, I would say very similar between, uh, what you do and what a banker does. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's just it's going that extra mile and it's doing the right thing for your customer. Yeah. yeah. What are I mean, what are some things that someone should like a business owner should look for when choosing a bank? There's no shortage of options out there. I mean, they're right. building a new bank or credit union on every corner here. Every time I see a frame go up, I'm like, "Oh, I wonder that's going to be." I'm like, "Oh, it's another credit union." So they're like everywhere. So like what should what should you look for when choosing a bank? That's a great question. Um and there's a number of things and it depends on the individual um you know because everybody my needs are different than your needs and your needs are different than the insurance broker down the street and you know all all those all those different things so really what needs to be looked at um from a client perspective and and choosing a bank is going to be what what are my intentions with um not only what I have going on with my financial life now, but what I anticipate in the future, what I'm building towards, because it's very easy, maybe not very easy, but you can outgrow your bank. And if you have big aspirations and you're able to achieve those last thing you want to do in the middle of those is have to make a pivot on the banking side. Changing banks is a giant hassle. Yeah, It is not fun. I totally understand anybody who doesn't want to do it because it's it's not fun no all your automatic payments and ACHs and this that and the other thing you're having to switch and you forget something and then there's no money in the account and it bounces and all that yeah um so having finding a place that can grow with what your intentions are if you are somebody who doesn't have big big excuse me big aspirations it may not matter as much you're probably going to be fine with where you're at but if you're starting to think that, you know, I might need, um, maybe you need a, a private banker, um, or maybe you need somebody that can help with um, um, your, your finances, like a financial advisor or some trust or something like that. There's different roles that um, you just may not find at your local bank. Um, and then the other thing to keep in mind is local banks, community banks, most of the time, they are a really, really good fit for people, and they're a lot more flexible because when it does come down to a um, needing a loan and you maybe have a, cr- a tough credit decision that needs to be made, 
you have a lot more leverage going to a small bank, a smaller organization and asking for some help. Um, because you can talk to decision makers a lot easier that way. Yeah. You can hold more leverage. Your million dollars in your bank account at XYZ community bank is going to go a lot farther than your million dollars at uh, ABC giant corporation bank. Yeah. Right. So they, that's nothing. They don't care. It's right. not that much money. However, the smaller guys, they value that. Absolutely. So, has anyone figured, I know, I don't think anyone's figured this out. So if you can figure this out, then like, I think I got an idea for you. All right. So like, you know, I've been with the same bank for forever, 15 years or whatever. And like, I'm not married to them, but, um, if I wanted to change to another bank, what I would, what I would like to see on the consumer side is be like, all right, look, here's, here are all my automatic payments, you know, and here's some my ACHs and stuff like that. And I can log into my account and it has all that stuff in there. If I was going to change to another bank, what I would love is the bank to be like, you know what? It, we've made it so easy for you to transfer to us because we're going to do all that for you. And if they could, if there was a program or a link, they'd be like, all we need is your username and password, you know, from your current bank, and we'll just suck all that stuff over, and you won't have to do anything. Can you do that? Can you figure you're, that out? You're certainly not the first person that's brought this up. <laughs> Has anyone done it though? As best I know, no. Why? I would imagine the banks. That seems like a lot of potential liability for the banks because you're giving a lot of account access to uh, different hands to transfer things over for the customer. And I don't know. I'm not a regulatory genius, but I see a lot of potential. See, when I open my bank, I'll take that risk on. (laughs) I'll take it on because I'm going to get so much business that way that I'll I'll be able to pay off the, you know, the overdraft fees, the 29 bucks or whatever once, once in a while. Oh, you, you missed this one. That's fine. It's, it's fine. I'll, I'll pay it off just because we're killing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great business model. If you can do it, I don't think anybody has. Yeah. And I wonder if there's any, like you said, regulatory or problems out there because I mean, in this day and age, you can do anything with computers. You just need a Zapier or something like that. And like, let's just connect this and that and bring it all in but whatever maybe someday right yeah uh you know you look at companies like Truebill; they advertise all the time and they're right. like we'll shut down all your stuff how much access are you given Truebill? i have no idea right you give them that and they pick all your accounts and what are the there are those uh there's an app is that what Truebill is like or there are apps that you can you can sign up for and you give them access to everything uh, all your subscriptions right mm-hmm. so like all right mm-hmm. let's see how many subscriptions you have mm-hmm. and here's all your subscriptions did you know that you still have a subscription to, you know, whatever from 15 years ago that you've been paying. And so, I don't know. I think it's possible, but I think the first person that figured that figures that out is going to win. So, <laughs> so, so let's talk about like a, like if you are, a, if you're a business owner and you want, let's say you're a new business owner and you want to get a loan. Okay. What are some things that, that I should know before I meet with someone like you that, that is going to give me a, a good chance that I'm going to get a loan. What do I need to present to you where you're going to say, all right, this looks good versus someone that's going to come up to you and give you something and be like, I can't help you or this, you're not set up right for, for something like this. What are some, you know, the top three things that someone should have that's going to put themselves in a position to be successful in getting a loan? Absolutely. Um, I, my, I would always recommend if you're getting the idea that you need a business loan to start a business, specifically start a business, I would highly recommend talking to uh, an accountant, lawyer, um, probably those two along with the banker initially, right? Um, just so you kind of have everything figured out what you're, what you're going to be doing. Um, now, coming to someone like me, it's really going to be a let's figure out what you want, not necessarily a bring me anything. It's a, what do you want? What are you trying to accomplish? And kind of take it from there because the startup loan is one of the toughest loans you're going to be able to get. Yeah. Everybody's got big dreams and everybody's ideas that there's uh, a lot of faith that has to be absolutely in the beginning. And you have to be comfortable lending someone money. Who's not even open yet, essentially, you know? So the, the argument, the argument from anybody, that's getting the wants a startup loan is well I'm going to do it better than everyone else <laughs> right and that's great that's awesome yeah. and maybe you are 
but taking that to the underwriter isn't necessarily going to sell them. No. Well, this person said they do it better than anyone else, so it should be fine, right? Yeah. Everyone thinks they're going to do it better than someone else. <laughs> right. It's kind of like for a kid, like a 16-year-old kid trying to get their first job, I feel like. Even if it's like a waiter, you know, at a local restaurant, and they go through the application process, and and in this climate, it's a little bit different because restaurants are desperate to hire anybody, but in a normal climate, a lot of times it's like, I can't hire you yet because you don't have any experience and and where do you, how do you get the experience if right. no one's going to hire you without experience right. you know what do, so that's i kind of equate those two things together so what kind of pitch do you need to hear if someone's going to say i'm going to do it better than everyone else and you're going to be like well how I would imagine you need to see a very detailed business plan or something that says, here are the things that I'm going to do. But then you don't know if they're going to do it or not, or if they're just a bunch of hot air, you know? Right. And so in situations like that, um, in my experience, honestly, a lot of the time ends up being a home equity loan. You're not getting a business loan at all. There you go. So that's always put your money where your mouth is an option. Exactly. Are you willing to put your house on the line? Yeah. But, um, in uh, in other circumstances where those are the option uh, that a, a business loan is the option, you know, it's coming into that conversation. What do you want to do? What is your background? Because a lot of times it's what is your what experience do you have in this? If you've been a mechanic your whole life and you want to open up a restaurant, connect those. There's dots not a lot me. of transferable skills there, right. right? So you know, finding. This may be your dream, but if you can alter your dream a little bit <laughs> to more closely match something that you've been doing in the past, that's a very helpful thing. And then knowing just because you show up and want money, there's going to be an expectation that you have some capital to put into the project. Do you ever like do kind of a step loan where it's like, all right, look, this looks great. I like what you have down here. Um, I'm going to loan you some, whatever it is, $50,000. If you can hit these metrics by this time, we'll increase it. Is it, you know, is there anything like that? You know, like pay to play type of thing? Yeah. I've done some stuff similar to that. Um, so I I guess the most relatable, um, the most relatable thing I can use from my experience is, Hey, I have a new business. I need, 50 grand. No, I'm sorry. I need 150 grand to buy all my inventory, get the storefront, this, that, and the other thing, right? Maybe some equipment. I say, tell you what, let's take a look at that $40,000 piece of equipment that you need and let's start there because that gives the bank something that is, um, hard collateral right there's sure. value in that machine they can yeah, return yeah. that machine or or if they have to you know if it the deal goes badly they end up owning the machine but there's something they could still recoup some of the funds right? right however if you're needing money for leasehold improvements we're not going to go in there and rip all the improvements out like that's just not a thing sure. so you know let's do this for six months you might have to make shift the rest of it, but you need this piece of equipment and this is really what's going to make your business operational. The rest of it is, would be nice. Right. But, um, again, that goes back to what money do you have to put into the project? Sure. So, you know what, maybe, maybe you can dress your shop up a little bit nicer once you're up and running a bit longer, but here's this, uh, piece of equipment, this material that you need to make whatever your widget is then you can pay for that out of pocket and move that way, right? All right? That makes sense. We see that on our end too, because when we have a business that needs insurance, a lot of times the bank will need to be, you know, added to that piece of equipment as an additional insured because they're the one that technically owns it, you know, at the, because they're mm-hmm. the ones that provided the money for it. So we see that we have landscapers that buy skidsters or something like that. And they're like, well, we loaned them the money for that. And so we need to be put on that so that if something happens to it, you know, they get made whole again and stuff like that right. so yeah that makes sense so you recently decided to start your own shop yeah like five weeks like ago. yesterday right like five <laughs> weeks ago so walk me through that decision like what tell me about the day you woke up and you're like you know what i think i can do this on my own like what was that decision 
process like with like you and your family? That's a big leap of faith. You know, walk me through that. Yeah. So, um, this is probably, well, I guess even farther back. So I've always, always my entire life, um, wanted to own my own business. I've never known what that would look like. Um, where's that come from? I don't know. It's just, yeah. it's just how I'm wired. Cause I was so different. I didn't, I had no aspirations of running my own business. My, my dad worked for the same company his whole life, 30 years, you know? And so that's kind of what I saw. He was a company man. He sold advertising right. for the Chicago tribune for 32 years or something like that. And so I saw him go to work and come back and go to work and come in like, that's what he did. And so I was, like I said, I was going to be a teacher. And then I, I, I kind of worked another career before that. I was always working for an institution or I had a boss and stuff like that. And I never, it never hit me until I was like 30 years old where I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll try, you know, insurance or something like that. But so I'm curious on what that was for you or like, I always wanted to run my own shop. Was it, did you want autonomy? Did you want, you know, an income level that was going to be higher than maybe if you were working for the man or something like that or what? Yeah. It's never been the income part because, um, I, just because you have your own business doesn't mean that you're going to make more money. I mean, that's, that's true. true yeah. Right? Um, I, my mom, she owned a, a Christian bookstore for, I don't know, something like 20 years. I think she bought it when I was pretty young, six, maybe, I don't know. Um, and so I, I'd had that exposure to it, mm-hmm. but that, I mean, she treated that more like a ministry. We're looking to break even is kind of yeah. where she was at. A not, nonprofit not almost. Getting, right. Not getting rich. Yeah. So I didn't have that, that money perspective necessarily. Um, I just, I don't know. I've just always been that way. I know I've had plenty of jobs where you just look around and you're like, well, this could be done so much better, but nobody will listen to me. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that's and, common. Yeah. And I mean, I haven't really had that issue all that much in the last decade or so because banking is pretty well established and for the most part they have an idea of what they're doing you have a sandbox you have to play exactly that yeah so it's just it's just kind of how i've always been wired i don't i don't know it's just what i what i wanted i just it's who i am i guess so how did you know the time was right yeah so going back to going back to what i was saying i've always wanted a business and you know i've had all kinds of ideas and i think anybody that's wanted to uh, build a business up. They, you know, they, they have ideas. And for me, I, I don't know if I've, I don't know if it's been that my perspective has been smaller than it needs to be or what, but I've looked at these different ideas I have and either I have no idea how to do it. The overhead's too much startup costs too much. It's already overly saturated or just whatever that looks like, or, I don't know if I'm going to make enough money selling something, making 25 cents a piece. Right. right. And so there's all those different factors that go into it. I'm like, none of these work. And I was in a meeting with a friend of mine, um, two or three months ago. And he, uh, suggested that I become a business loan broker and they handed me a deal and said, I need this money. Can you go find it? And this was, um, this is a, a type of loan that I had never been involved in before and I had no connections to. Um, I was just like, all right, I'll go find some money, I guess. Now, were you with a bank right now? I was. Were yeah. you allowed to go somewhere else to do something it like that? It was lending that they did not offer. So I wasn't stealing anything from them. Right. But, but you had the authority to go and get it somewhere else? Yeah, I mean, they weren't going to, they weren't going to provide this type of loan. So... So how do you do that? Like, do you, do you find someone else to refer it to or can you do the deal? Um, so I, well, what I did in this situation is I picked up the phone and I just started calling everybody I knew Yeah. and people I didn't know and asking people. And I ended up finding a lender and, um, we didn't end up getting the deal done. Um, there ended up being a lot of, a lot of people involved, but I had so much fun. It was like solving a puzzle. Yeah. And at the start, I didn't have I didn't have the tools to do it, but I found the tools. Good for you. And it was it was awesome. It was a ton of fun. And from that, I was like, I could do this. I like this a lot. And this is the most fun I've had at work in a couple of years. This is pretty great. And I need to do this. And then it was all I could think about. And then I just kept meeting people. 
every single day there was somebody new that I had never met before that would be helpful for um, this business I'm running now. And I was like, okay, I'm, all these people are just showing up in my life. I, I think this is it. And then I was kind of trying to figure out, there, there came a point where I was doing it for sure, but I was trying to figure out timing. And um, I was sitting in a meeting and I had three people yelling at me to take the Band-Aid off. And so I did. There you go. <laughs> so what did that feel like? It felt amazing. Yeah? It felt amazing. Yeah. I uh, waited till Friday afternoon. I uh, talked to my boss, and away I went. I was in the bank opening accounts later that day and, like, getting my EIN and all that, and I was just up and running, and I've been busy as can be for the last five weeks so what does this look like for you are you working from home uh that was the intention i seem to be everywhere but home right <laughs> yeah well for someone like you you know uh you need to be out and about you know networking and marketing and meeting people and stuff like that but your home base where you do your yeah. you know your work you you don't you're out of your house right now yeah, right I I which am. is totally normal um so so where are you finding people like and marketing is something that I'm passionate about. It's something that is so important to people like us who are in sales. Uh, we have to. We don't have anything to sell if we don't have anyone to sell to. Right. And so it's so easy to start up. I mean, it's not easy, but some of the stuff when it comes to op- starting a business is easy. I get my tax ID number, and I got to get a phone number. You know, whatever. And you're like. Now I have a business, but it doesn't matter. Like I built right. this beautiful website. Who cares? Nobody knows it's there, you know? Right. So, so how are you finding people, you know, to loan to because no one's coming to you. And if you have a natural market, like that's awesome, but that's good for like two months, you know, right. how, how do you, how do you build, you know, a pipeline? Yeah. So, um, a big part of it so far, and this a lot of it's early on, but a big part of it so far is referral based. Um, being in banking for so long, I have a lot of banking connections. I have a lot of um, business owner connections, and so people know this is what I'm doing. Um, I have gotten calls from people I haven't told yet that I was doing it, but somehow they found out, which was great. That's great. Um, and so a lot of it's a lot of it's referral based. I got a call from a friend of mine. While I don't typically work in California, I got a call from a friend of mine, and he sent me clients. But it's um, and it's just conversations I'm having. I, I've been having. Uh, yesterday, I had two meetings that were not about lending at all, and by the end of it, they're like, "Well, hey, can you help me?" Yeah. And um, so that's all been fantastic. And I think getting out there and just being in front of people and letting them know what you're doing, especially my understanding of this market is what I'm doing is very unique. No, as best I know, no one else is doing what I'm doing quite like I'm doing it. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like, what are you doing that's unique? What are you doing that others are not? Yeah. So the way I'm approaching what I do... Um, in my experience, this is what I found. So this may not be accurate, but what I found is you have loan brokers out there, but a lot of them are more involved in the um, alternative money, hard money kind of spaces. And while I I work in those loans, and that's fine, um, I do not. Um, I don't really target that market. I really want to work more on the local level and work more with bankers um, and other people like that. Because my goal with my clients, I don't necessarily just want to give them money so they can do what they want. I want to give them money. I want to educate them and I want to set them up so they can be successful. Because if I'm finding 15% loans for clients, that's going to be a hindrance. It might fix it might be a band-aid for the short short term mm-hmm. but that's not going to help with their cash flow it's not going to help them when they're needing their next loan or their next project whatever that looks like um if their funds are all tied up because they paid too much yeah so for me my what i like to work with is work with the bankers here locally um and and be able to provide funds at lower cost that looks like me working with relationships that I already have, developing new relationships, things of that nature. But the one thing that I can bring value 
that you may not get if you're just walking into your own bank is you could walk into your bank and say, I need a business banker. And that person could be a business banker for two weeks and really not know all that much. Yeah. I'm able to work with the business bankers in town that I trust. And I know we'll do a good job. We'll take care of my customers. And that's what's important because then you're, you're having an array. You're having a variety of um, institutions that can help you, but they can help you at a high level too. Okay. So what kind of, who, who refers to you? Like, what are your referral sources? Like what's the top of the food chain for you? Or like, I want relationships with these people because the clients are going to them first and then they shoot them over to me. Like what's, what are they, uh, who are you trying to meet? Business lawyers, accountants, and, um, other bankers really. Those are, those are three big ones for me so far. Um, business lawyers, they know about projects before they're getting off the ground at all because they're the ones working with their client already putting the plan together. Um, accountants know people that have bad loans and are getting killed on financing charges and things of that nature. So I can help their customer out. And then, um, other, other bankers are a great, um, option also because, yeah, they'll take first crack at their customer, but if they can't get them done, that doesn't mean there's no place to get them done. Yeah, ideally, they try, and if they can't do it, they've got someone else to go to. Obviously, right. that's what a good banker would do, or an, any good professional, really. So I had to do something like that last week, where I I could not find a company for this one risk, and it drove... I mean, I worked on it for two weeks. It was driving me absolutely crazy. And I had to call another... I had to call a buddy of mine who worked at a different company. I was like, can you do this? Because I'm pulling my hair out, and he was able to do it. And I was happy at the end of the day, I was happy because this was a good client. I wanted to provide that service to them. I wanted to make sure they had the coverage. I didn't want to hold up a closing, you know, and, uh, there comes a point where you're like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I gotta, I'm not going to get paid for it, but I'm still going to make sure that this customer is taken care of because I want them to come back to me for the next one. You know, exactly. Nobody wants to say no to a customer and you say, Here's a different way to do this. And that's what's right for the customer. And yeah. That's important. And like you said, it's like solving a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And that's like, if you get juice from that, like doing a job like yours or like mine, like I love it too. Like, like we come in here and trouble, like we troubleshoot stuff every day. How are we going to do this? And what do we need to find out next? And how do we finish that? Some of these, some of the things we can do in a day, some of them take months, you know, to figure out and stuff like that. But that's how we learn, you know, that's how we meet new people and that's how we learn new processes and things like that. So, and every time you go through something like that, you'll just be prepared the next time it happens. So, yeah. So what's your plan for growing your business over the next year? Like, what do you got in place? It's a great question. That actually came up twice yesterday (laughs) because I'm still trying to sort that out. Um, I have ideas. Good. Uh, I have ideas. <laughs> to start. Um, I, uh, I would like to uh, expand my, my footprint. I mean, it's Idaho business lending, right? So probably stay in Idaho for now anyways. Um, expand my footprint up into um, northern Idaho, whether that's within a year or it takes a little bit longer. I, I see that as probably my next step. Um, I already have a lot of good relationships up there. I used to um, work out of uh, Coeur d'Alene and Spokane. Um, so I have a lot of clientele. I have I know a lot of people in banking up there, so it's a natural next step for me. Good. So kind of my thought for now, that could easily change because it didn't cross my mind until yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's good. Um, what, about, what about scaling a business like yours? Like you just started, so like... You got some time to, you know, fine tune your processes and do your marketing and, you know, build up your referrals. But ideally and hopefully, you know, there comes a time where you're just like, I, I have too much. Like yeah. that's the, that's the dream or right? I got to, I can't do all this by myself. Right. You know, what is, how do you, how do you scale? You know, you could be a one man shop and, and do what you do. And, and maybe you're the type of guy who's like, you know, once I build up my footprint, I'll be more selective on the people that I want to work with. And I'm just going to be kind of a boutique and I just want to do that. Or you could be the one that's like, you know what? I want to see how big I can get this thing. And I want, 
I want to train other people to do what I do. I want to divide and conquer. We're going to have people doing paperwork and customer service and stuff like that. What do you have any, have you thought about that or envisioned like what you want to do? Yeah. Um, a bit, right. Um, and <laughs> a bit, I, who doesn't want to see how big they can get? I, I, I mean, I nothing did. else. Why yeah. not? Why not just see? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I don't see. I see myself scaling to some level. Um, the extent at which I think I'd be willing to is going to be limited, um, solely because I work off of relationships. And once you scale too much, you start losing that. Because the last thing I want to do is be sending my clients to somebody I wouldn't work with. That limits your options. Yep. Especially limits your options out of town right so um and that's one of the reasons that that Coeur spokane market is appealing to me is because i have some comfort there already yeah so um that that limits what i can do and i don't ever see myself you can you can look at some big uh wholesale broker places and i zero desire zero desire to go that direction yeah. at all yeah. but again just like i was talking about earlier a lot of times those are the more expensive not so great loans there's a time and a place for those loans sure but it's not ideal but those two things kind of go hand in hand right you're stepping away from that relationship piece you're stepping more into that um that scale piece and you can make more money off the more expensive loans and it's fine. I don't know. I, I don't like it. And that's what I see as really the only viable option for how I'm doing things. So I could see a couple of markets, you know, maybe depending upon how established I get, maybe it turns into something bigger than that. And I work with people that are local that I'm able to get in touch with. And, you know, I don't know, but, um, it's that's going to be a limiting factor because I'm not going to compromise that part. Sure. I was, I think that's just an interesting question because scaling is, is hard and it depends on what kind of business you're into. Like, you know, if you're in the restaurant business, the easiest way to scale is to open another restaurant, you know, sure. or if you've got coffee shops and you want to open another coffee shop, like that's the easiest way to scale. Sure. But first uh, I, I scaled years ago and I opened a second location and I staffed up and things like that. And I learned, I learned some lessons and I learned that just cause I was bigger didn't mean I was making any m- more money. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, our, ex- we were making enough money to cover new expenses, but what I was taking home was the same. And so I learned that I was just doing more work for the same amount of money. And, that was an important lesson for me to learn because I had been on this trajectory that was excellent for years. And I was like, let's just keep going. Now it's time. Let's blow it up. And, and for me to scale, I have to hire salespeople to bring on, to go out and sell more and good salespeople are really hard to find Mm -hmm. and they're expensive. Mm -hmm. And if I bring on a good salesperson tomorrow, I have to pay them substantially more than what they're going to be making me for like 18 months. And I don't want to take that hit. You know, so, so, so depending on the type of business you're in, the scaling is, it's, it's a risk for someone like me because I got to put my money up front and I have to put faith in somebody that I don't know yet. And one out of four will make it and it just gets expensive, you know? So I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. So I just got my, I, I, I have one location and I have two amazing employees and, and that's what I learned. So it was really, it was an interesting projects expensive projects to go through <laughs> and to learn so um it's not what you make it's it's what you keep right i was like that so it's an interesting time to be in lending i would imagine we just mm-hmm. came out of a pandemic we're on the front door of a recession like the fed is doing some things they haven't done in 36 years or something like that like what is the climate like out there what do you see happening over the next you know years lending I'd imagine that from what all I'm reading and seeing, like lending is going to be borrowing money is going to be tougher. They want to slow things down. So what's your take on all this? Yeah. I mean, it's already getting tighter. Um, Things are getting done, but it's already getting a little bit tighter. More questions are asked, more paperwork, maybe a little bit less of an appetite here and there. And that also really depends on the institution you're working with because I have lenders 
that are still very hungry. So that is one thing to keep in mind is not everyone's going to be made the same, right? That's why there's more than one uh, banking institution. Um, so I think overall, I think lending's going to get a lot tighter. Um, I think rates are going to go up a little bit more, but I don't think that's going to be long-term at all. Because the, um, the first thing that, that the Fed typically does when we go towards recession, what do they do? They lower the rates. So I don't think the rate hikes long-term are going to be happening. I think there's going to be some relief on the rates um, in the not-too-distant future. Um, but that doesn't mean that lenders are going to be loosening up either, right? Yeah. It, they're going to be getting tighter because every any time... Banking, lending, it's a its a business of risk. So when there's more risk, then there's a little bit more cautious, cautiousness, a little, bit, uh, a little bit of slowing down, a little bit of, are we sure we actually want this deal? And so I can see lending getting a little bit tighter. There's always, always, always ways to get money because people want to make money. And so they'll lend their money out. Um, so I don't think there's a risk of that drying up completely, but, um, there's definitely signs that things are slowing down. Yeah. Would you say that, you know, pre COVID the decade, you know, preceding COVID was a simple, was an easier time to borrow money. Yeah. Um, historically in, in, in some ways. Yeah. Um, in some ways, no. Um, I would say, yeah, in a lot of ways, um, I wouldn't necessarily say COVID necessarily. I would say kind of in the last year, I mean, even through COVID there was money, there was no reason to borrow money. Well, I mean, between like 2010 and 2020, like preceding COVID, was that, well, sure. Was it like super easy to historically to borrow money? In my experience, no, it's never super easy to borrow money. There's always money to borrow, but never super easy. All right. right. You're either paying for that ease or there's going to be, you know, there's going to be more questions asked, more steps to, uh, or, or uh, pro- a bigger process to walk through. Um, but I'd say um, since um, COVID, with COVID, there was all the PPP money. There was no lending needed practically. Right. There was plenty of loans out there, don't get me wrong. But there wasn't that much actually needed, right? And so I think... Um, I think that we're getting to a place where money is needed more than it has been because there's a lot more concerns about supply chain, a lot more concerns about interest rates, a lot more of all the things going on in the world, employment, and especially in the last month or two when everybody's looking and saying, you know, recession's pretty close by here. We're, We're walking into this and that I think in, at least in the in the last couple of months, it's made things a lot more difficult. Ten years to quantify is a little bit tough in that ten to twenty, twenty uh, ten to twenty twenty. But I mean, we had rates in two thousand eighteen. I think they were higher than they are now. Hmm. Not much higher, and it it was just a blip. Yeah. And people don't remember it, but um, the prime rate was at what, five and a quarter, I think. Wow. In 2018, yeah. So we're not even to the highs uh, from recent. All right, it just feels like it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Is there anything that you're kind of staring down right now, like a challenge that you're you're up against that that you're working on or that you're concerned about, and like what are you, you know, doing to try and solve that? that issue or problem. I mean, starting a business, you know, you're five weeks in, you don't know what you don't know. So you don't, you might not even know what challenges you're going to be facing because in four months you're going to get hit with something. You're like, Oh my God, I never thought of that before. How am I going to solve this? But is there anything that's happening right now? Everything's so fresh and exciting and new, but I, I, I guess I'm guessing there might be something where you're like, gosh, I really want to do this. I'm not sure how to do it yet. Like, yeah. or, is there anything like that that you're oh, going yeah. through right now? My, uh, problems that I plan on having have been completely inverted. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I, like I said, I started five, five weeks ago and, uh, a lot of my processes and, um, bookkeeping and just all, all the important background stuff that needs done. 
Um, I anticipated having a lot more time in the beginning to kind of work through that. And uh, I anticipated I would work up to having more customers. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That makes Apparently, sense. Apparently, lots of customers uh, uh, and not as much background uh, stuff. <laughs> yeah, well, so, it's a good problem. Yeah, it is a great problem. So um, working through that, that's, you know, and that's, I with my accounting background, I have a lot of understanding about a lot of things, which is great. And I have um, some really good uh, people that are helping me in the background, which is awesome. Um, but there's, yeah, just that timing piece. I completely flipped and inverted my expectations. And um, that is something that, I, that I'm trying to work through, uh, you know, just scheduling and quite frankly, finding the time to do all this stuff that is extremely important, but not those revenue generating pieces. Right. Yeah. You got to build those up kind of behind closed doors and figure that those systems out and, but it will only benefit you once they're up and running, exactly. you know, smoothly. Yeah. So, I mean, what a great problem to have, you know, like you open your doors and, you know, there's a line, you know, <laughs> theoretically, you know, out the door and you're, you've got enough uh, to keep you busy for now. So that's, that's exciting. Um, that's it, man. I'm out of questions. Is there anything that I missed or anything you want to add or? Mm, no, All right. I think I feel like I've covered about everything. I think you did good. Thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate it. You've got a great story. You've God, you just opened your shop five weeks ago, so you're staring down the barrel of the unknown, really. And you've got a ton of uh, people that are already calling you and reaching out for you. And you've got, you know, a decade of expertise in the field. So you've really kind of primed the pump to be able to talk to them. You know your products. Uh, you know how to counsel them. And so, like, you really hit the ground running, which is which is uh, a great model, you know, to do to learn everything out in the field that way and then open your own shop. And so I think you really, you really set yourself up for success and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and all your expertise. And I just want to say thanks. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Yeah. Fun time. All right, buddy. Take care. Thank you. All right. There you go. Thanks Pete for coming on and uh, we're all rooting for you. So check Pete out, find him on LinkedIn and connect with him. If you need any help with some lending, my name is Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Deet. Uh, excuse me. I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Deets Agency. Uh, you can send me an email at mdeets at farmersagent.com. And that's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work.